Hi, I'm Andy Scary Shipley. And I'm Haunted Holly Hooker. And welcome to Seasonal Spooky Sensations. <laughs> so, how are you, Holly? I'm fine, thank you. Yes, loving this time of year, especially now it's gone a, a little bit more chilly. And we've had some nice sunny days, so yeah, yeah, fine. How are you? Yeah, yeah I'm I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, it's just suddenly um, switched to autumn mode, hasn't it? It feels to me anyway. It's uh, yeah, it's that bit cooler, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's my favourite time of year, I think. Although it's a bit of a toss up between autumn and spring, but yeah, <laughs> something. Yeah, me more... too. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> something a bit more sensual about autumn for me um yeah i know what you mean yeah there's more sort of different sensations isn't there the changes in the in the air there's more wind um, Mm. and and probably rain as well um and i think the the dampness kind of seems to bring out more um more smells and scents doesn't it as well um and of course there's lots of things again similar to spring there's lots of things happening in nature in autumn as, as everything kind of prepares for winter so it's, it's quite a busy time of year um so yeah there's there's definitely a lot of sensory elements to autumn so what have we been noticing then yes um, time for our seasonal observations yeah well as we were just saying um it's that bit damper and I've really noticed the, the the chill in the air, particularly, and the dampness, as you've mentioned. Now, just walking in the woods, I've also noticed that there's that mushroomy smell, you know, coming from the ground, which is much more apparent now, perhaps as it's is that little bit damper. And, um, yeah, the fungus is beginning to do its thing and uh, mushrooms are appearing. I was uh, out in Gloucestershire last weekend and the, there were mushrooms in the fields there. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. noticed a few too. Have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, tempted, but never, never give in to it to actually pick some. But uh, I know it's not a good idea unless you really know what you're doing. <laughs> I used to gather field mushrooms when I was a kid. Um, there was a field near my granny's house, and um, she knew that they were definitely um, like horse mushrooms. I think they call them. Like um, the big flat, flat topped ones. Yes, yes. Right. So yes. That was a bit like portobello mushrooms. Right, with the dark right. gills um and i used to go and gather them and then we'd make mushroom soup for dinner but uh, apart yeah. from that yeah any any other ones i'm not too sure <laughs> still well clear yeah <laughs> um yeah and as i mentioned being in gloucestershire we, i was actually uh visiting westenburg arboretum where we've been um developing uh nature sense walks there yes um, yes which has been going really well um, but one thing that's very uh, prominent on site when you're walking around is the smell of the leaves on the ground from the katsura tree. And, and these give off a really distinctive aroma, just like toffee apples. Oh, wow. It's Sounds amazing. delightful. Yeah, it sort of just overwhelms you in places. It's a really, a really heavy fragrance. It's lovely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I've heard some surprising bird song actually as well. And you might be able to shed a little light on this. Um, mm-hmm. So as we talked about on our last podcast, the robin is in full throat again, which is glorious. Mm, yeah. uh, but I've heard some chiff chaffs, chiff chaffing. Um, 
when we've been on the boat, particularly by the by the canal. Uh, and I don't know as much about birds as you, so I don't know whether this that they do chiff chaff all year round, apart from you know the little break during the summer. Um, mm. But yeah, I've noticed that. Mm. Well, years yeah. ago, chiff chaffs, you know, sort of 20, 30 years ago, chiff chaffs used to be almost exclusively migratory birds, um, like the other uh, warblers, um, mm. black, black caps, garden warblers, chiff chaffs, white throats, you know, all the all those mm. sort of songbirds that come in um, usually in the spring. But as we've been experiencing slightly warmer winters um, over the last sort of 20, 30 years, a few chiff chaffs. And, and black caps, and I'm sure some of the other warblers as well. A few of them stay here over the winter. So, right, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just kind of guessing here, but yeah. the reason the robins sing a lot at this time of year is because they are defending their winter territories. So when food gets more scarce for them in, in the winter, they need to kind of defend their patch to make sure that they've mm, got enough mm. supplies for, for themselves mm. to see them through the winter. So mm. it could be that the chiff chaffs are doing the same thing same. because yeah. they're, they're kind of in the spring when they sing, they're, they're doing it to let each other know that they're there because yeah. they want to attract a mate. But then in the autumn, they they could be saying, you know, I am here, but I don't want to attract a mate now. I'm just letting you know I'm here because yeah. this is my bit yeah. where I'm feeding. So find your own bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well I, well, I was struggling to say, well, they're quite ubiquitous in that area. You know, I've heard, heard two or three, not just the solitary. Uh, but so uh, that's uh, it's just really fascinating and unexpected um and similarly a wren i'm sure i heard a wren it was a particularly warm weekend actually and this, that, i think that might be relevant so a wren singing what sounded very much like its spring song mm. um and then in gloucestershire uh skylarks um ascending uh but what i did notice and i think again when we talked about the robin song there was a quite a significantly different quality to the to the skylark song as well it wasn't that really uplifting throaty warbly um song you know that they sing when they're ascending and they're um, calling for mates and really making their presence felt it mm. was still um soaring but it was had a slightly plaintive tone to it and and the phrasing was definitely different to the to the spring song as well yeah um, well that's that's interesting because Although the, the, the birds like robins um, are very solitary in the winter and, and as I say, defend the territory, other species of birds actually come together in the winter to feed. And skylarks are one of those species. So in the summer, they'll kind of have their own, they'll be a pair mm. and they'll mm. have a nest yeah. and they'll kind of look after themselves. But then in the winter, you can get um, flocks of skylarks feeding on farmland. Um, so, you know, they could be talking to each other yeah yeah to let yeah. other skylarks know that they're there and there's a good feeding patch you know some birds yeah. are very sociable uh, okay. so they're yeah. talking to the other birds to let to attract them let them know there's good food oh, and other birds yeah. are not sociable <laughs> right. and they're saying right. go away so yeah, yeah it is a fascinating subject the language of birds yeah. I mean, obviously no one really knows what it means <laughs> no, um, no but yeah no. And, and of course ponder we, I was going to say the other thing we also begin to see birds come together in mixed flocks as well so they're not just single yeah. species are they they come together and uh, for safety and to forage yeah a lot of the woodland birds do that like blue tits great tits cold tits 
willow tits, um, even um, long-tailed tits, and the tiny um, lesser spotted woodpeckers. Wow, they can yeah. and tree creepers, nuthatches, yes. you know, all the little woodland birds often go together in in what they call feeding flocks in the winter. Uh, so if you're lucky enough to be in a woodland in winter when a a big feeding flock comes through, it's well worth stopping and and having a look up and seeing what kind of different types of birds are all feeding together. It's looks right. really lovely. <laughs> yeah, actually, one one of the stopping points um, on one of the walks at Western Bird. I don't know that anyone else noticed it, but in the tree canopy above, there's this real Ferrari sort of kicked off and there were at least two nut hatches in there <laughs> and um, robins as well. And I wasn't sure whether they were a mixed flock or whether something had just kicked off between them. You know, there was a bit oh. of a squabble going on. It was just really interesting to hear. Oh. And whether re weird, you know, our presence had really triggered it or whether there was something that they were they were maybe fighting over some food in the tree because there are lots of, as you can imagine, lots of fruiting trees there mm. and lots, you know, festooned with berries, many of them. So they could have mm. just been squabbling over the same same uh, feeding patch. Yeah, or a sparrowhawk. Oh right, around. yeah. That's yeah. often the reason for, for quite a noisy outburst in the in the world of small birds. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It's a, a sparrowhawk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing that I've really noticed in recent weeks is uh, not not such a tasty uh, reference is that they're uh, they're they're muck spreading in this area. So it's uh, oh, again it's since we're doing it all the time near you. Oh, they they, they like their muck here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully that will be it for the year, though. Yes. Well, I don't think they do it in winter. No. Do they so they're probably just getting the the last bit on so they can sow the winter crops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, otherwise I'll have to go around with a peg on my nose. Mm. <laughs> so how oh, about you? What have you been noticing? Ah, well, last time in the podcast, I think I mentioned that birds are starting to migrate. Um, and I was really excited a couple of weeks ago to hear a big um, flock or skein, as they call it, of pink-footed geese flying over when I was working from home one day. So I was sitting in my office upstairs and I just heard lots and lots of these wink, wink calls. They sound like they're saying wink, 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 wink. Um, so I ran over to look out the window and there must have been about 70 or 80 of them flying across. And they weren't in like a, a, a very pronounced V shape, but they were in kind of a wonky V shape. So there was a few on one side and then loads of them on the other side. <laughs> oh, I don't know whether, yeah. don't know whether that had something to do with the direction the wind was blowing or whatever. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, they trailed across the sky for quite some way. So there was a lot of them and that was really exciting to see because um, that's a real indicator of, of the changing of the seasons, isn't it? The geese flying over. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was very excited to see that. Um, and another migratory bird that I experienced was uh, a red wing. Um, oh. I've, I've not heard many, but I was uh, coming back from somewhere at night um, Get, got out of the car outside the house and just heard a little squeak just one little squeak and I thought oh red wing so that made me smile I'm always really excited to hear the, the birds coming back again but following on from the spooky Halloween theme of this episode yeah I had a bit of a mystery the other day at my house um I went to close my bedroom curtains late one evening and saw a very strange thing on my window. It was, mm, 
<laughs> it was kind of a spooky white outline of a bird shape on my window pane. It looked like, you know, when they draw around dead bodies at murder oh, scenes. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like a white outline <laughs> of a bird on my window. I thought, oh, what's happened here? Um, it was kind of pigeon shaped and pigeon sized. So I believe a pigeon had flown into my window when oh. I, and I didn't hear it or anything. So obviously I went downstairs to look out in the garden if there's any injured or dead yeah. pigeons in yeah. the garden, but no, nothing around at all. So I'm hoping that it was just a glancing blow on the window and that the pigeons flown away, not that it landed in my garden and a cat or something has yeah, taken yeah. it. Yeah. So mm, I guess a spooky I, mystery. I'll never know what happened to that pigeon. And the other strange occurrence that I've experienced is that at my parents' house, they live a bit further out in the country than me, um, they've had a prowler oh, prowling around their house at night. Yes, very spooky. <laughs> He's very, very big. And they've oh. seen him staring into the windows oh. when they've Ooh. gone to shut the curtains. He's very, very tall. Um, <laughs> but he's got four legs and Ooh. huge antlers. So oh. <laughs> you can guess what it is from that. It's a massive red deer stag. Oh uh, <laughs> and he's been, he's been spotted kind of walking down the lane outside the house and then walking round onto the patio at the other side and quite brazenly staring <laughs> into the window. Really? Yeah, so it's quite uh, scared my mum and dad on a couple of occasions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you can imagine, he's about yeah. sort of, uh, his head height must be sort of over six foot. Um, yeah, with the so, antlers as well. Yeah, um, quite imposing. a formidable thing. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah, yes yeah. but there's, there's a deer farm next door to where my mum and dad oh, live and there's a lot of um, hinds in there. So we, we think he's a wild yeah. one, but he's been attracted at this time of year because it's the, the rutting season. Rutting isn't season, it? isn't it? Yeah. 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 So yeah. he's come sniffing around. All right. Uh, trying to just get he might start, start doing that um, barking thing that they do as well, that mooing. That, it's it's bulving. Bulving is, it? is the name for it. Is it? Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a special mm. name. Well, oh, that'd be even more scary. <laughs> yes. Okay, so there we go. That's it for my seasonal observations. Um, so now I believe it's time for our guided exercise with Andy. A mindful moment. Mm -hmm. Right. So we shall begin. Uh, as usual, if you'd like just to get comfortable, just close your eyes. Just taking a few gentle and slightly deeper breaths in and out. And with each breath, just allow your weight to sink further to the earth, feeling gravity's pull. And as you feel your weight sinking down, just allow your attention to follow it earthwards, passing down through your body, 
going through your legs, passing through your knees, into your ankles, through your feet. And just now imagine roots sprouting from the soles of your feet and spreading in all directions, penetrating the earth. And just connecting with the network of roots and fungal threads that are interlaced just beneath the earth's surface. With each breath, just feel that connection strengthening. And with each breath, you are held more closely to the land and the wide round earth. Halloween is the time of year that many traditions around the world hold as the time when the veil between this life on earth and the other worlds where, thou, where our ancestors dwell and where those have passed have gone is at its thinnest. And it's a time where the connection may be felt most strongly with those that have passed. So we're gonna spend the next few minutes just calling to mind those that are no longer with us and who've played an important part in our lives. And these could be people that have either passed on uh, a long time ago or in the last few months. And I think um, particularly now, having experienced the, the pandemic, many of us um, may have lost people. And it's also recalling people that have just passed from our lives individually. So they may have, they may still be with us on the earth, but they passed about, may have passed out of our own lives. And we're also not just sort of going to focus on people, we're going to include animals as well. So any animals that have been important to us in our lives, just use this as, use this as an opportunity to bring them to mind. So now we're going to begin. Just allow your memories of those that have passed from your life, just bubble to the surface. As each one comes to the fore, just speak their name, followed by a thank you or another expression of gratitude that feels appropriate just for them. And while you do this, you might also like just to place your right hand over your heart. So as they come to your mind, you're also holding them in your heart. So just to allow enough time for us all to just reflect on those who've been important to us and who we'd like to thank, we're just gonna play some music for the next minute. And while you hear the music, just allow those people to come to mind and thank them for what they've given to you. And if you need a little more time, you can also press pause to give yourself as much time as you need. 
Now bring your attention back to your roots. Gently withdraw them back into your feet. When you're ready, gradually open your eyes. And welcome back. I think it's always great to remember those that have been in your life because everyone that we're close to and that we you know interact with in our lives has an impact on us in some way so we're kind of made up of all of our experiences with all of those people so I always like to think that the people who are, are no longer with me in my life are still kind of there because I remember them so and I remember things that they taught me things that mm. they gave mm. to me you know things that we shared and all of those things make me who I am today so they've yeah. never really gone they're, they're always there and sort of live on in the people that remember them yeah 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 <laughs> and sometimes we don't realize until quite a while after actually what significance people have played in our lives do we I mean that's uh, yeah you know, I think I'll get these sudden insights and oh my goodness yes that was what that person gave to me or that's what I learned through that encounter yeah. or interaction or relationship yeah yes well yeah. I hope that was I hope that was a, a positive experience for people um because I think it is you know there's lots of um celebrations at this time of year yeah about remembering those that have passed and celebrating their lives so if there's anything you know if we can take positives from from it then we should <laughs> yes now's the time to do it exactly yeah so what to look out for between now and, and the next podcast well, it's the time of year for bonfires and fireworks and lanterns to light up the dark evenings. So this is just a reminder that if you're having um, bonfire parties or parties around Halloween, just make sure that you are looking after your local wildlife. So that, by that, I just mean checking any bonfires. If you've built them in advance, a hedgehog may come along and think that that looks like a lovely dry pile of sticks and logs to go and have a sleep in. So either, either make your bonfire at the last minute so that the hedgehogs don't have time to to get in there or leave a little space so that you can see inside the bonfire to check if there's any hedgehogs gone in and also if you're having fireworks try to keep them away from tall trees because the birds could be roosting in there at night um, and having lots of fireworks going off right next to them will disturb them um, so yeah, just just look after, have a thought for the wildlife while we're having fun. Um, talking of birds, you might notice some new species of birds coming into your garden at this time of year. Um, the ones to look out for are things like bramblings, uh, red wings, field fairs, and wax wings over the next couple of months. Mm. They're some of the lovely, colourful migratory birds that come into our gardens at this time of year um, so if you see anything unusual in your garden do look it up and let us know what you've yeah. seen in your garden and if you can um, take a picture of it and share it with us and we can post it on the uh, on the page yeah that'd be brilliant 
And even if you don't see any of these migratory species in your garden, you'll probably notice that there are more of the regular garden birds visiting over the autumn and winter, especially if you've got your bird feeders filled up because they'll all be starting to run out of natural food as we go into the winter and look, be looking for nice things that people have put out for them to eat. So yeah, tell us what you've seen. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, that would be great. Yes. Yeah, and finally, um, a listening experience is listening out at night for things in the wild because this is the time of year when owls start to call to each other quite a lot um, they're kind of maintaining their pair bonds over the winter so they often call to each other yeah. um, and barn owls they barn owls make a really really unearthly sound So yeah, that's that's definitely one to listen out for. And also foxes barking at night. They tend to do that a lot in the winter. You know, the typical uh, eerie screeching noise that you hear on Midsummer Murders quite a lot. <laughs> and often on any other kind of spooky yeah. um, horror stories. Um, and, you know, it could be a coincidence that this time of year is associated with sort of ghosts and, and demons and ghouls and things because people would have heard these noises at night um, and thought, what on earth is that noise? Yeah, you know, and kind yeah. of made up all sorts of stories about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, winter is a great time to go outside at night and listen for, so, for yeah. noises in the night. Woo! Yeah. Well, and of course, because dusk is. Um, earlier if you go out just as night falls you should still just about be able to see the bats i mean we're running out of uh, opportunity to do that because they'll be uh, going into hibernation mm -hmm. in the next uh, few weeks couple of weeks so yeah. if you are a bat lover or are just really interested would love to see some just um try and get to the where there are trees and uh, in the more sort of quieter areas um to get a last a glimpse, last glimpse of them before they go, they uh, they go to go to bed for uh, until the mm -hmm. spring. Yes, great idea. So now it's time for fascinating facts. Fascinating what have you got for us this facts. time, Andy? Oh, oh, we have a wealth of fascinating facts here. So Halloween, or variations of it, is celebrated in in, in countries right around the world. Uh, and uh, certainly for, for those of us in the West, it originates from the Celtic festival of Sarwain. And that's, that signifies the end of the summer. And it's also the Celtic New Year as well. So it was for Celts and for, for people that, that still um, follow uh, uh, earth honouring traditions, it is their New Year. So they will celebrate uh, Sarwain uh, as joyously uh, as some of us do on uh, December the 31st. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Uh, but it is the time, as uh, I mentioned uh, in our exercise, where it's believed that the veil between the uh, life here on earth and the, uh, the spirit world is at, it, at its thinnest. And not only can we uh, be in co closer connection with our ancestors, it was also believed that 
because it's so thin that um, some of the ancestors would take the opportunity to pop back and visit us as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I think the tradition of wearing scary costumes has, has come from, hasn't it? It's, it's a, a way of perhaps scaring the ancestors and the unwanted visitors back to the other realm, back to the other side of the veil. Um, Yes, well, there may be some uh, scary ancestors that you, you wouldn't want coming back through. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, so, evil uh, spirits as well, wasn't it? Kind of in case any any evil spirits and demons came from the other world. That's that, right, uh, yeah, you yeah. You needed to scare so them back to the side. Yes, more evil spirits, <laughs> you're right, yeah. Perhaps not, I mean, ancestors, many cultures are ancestor honouring and actually, as we've just done in our exercise, actually honoured the ancestors for what they've given us. And that's that's really um, a significant part of the traditions and, and the practices, the rituals that have followed at this time of year. And um, Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve, and that's the evening, the, the night before uh, the Hallows, the, the day at which we celebrate the saints. So again, it's sort of mm -hmm. celebrating those people that have played an important role in our spiritual uh, evolution, I guess, as our, our religious traditions would suggest. Mm -hmm. But there's also a, a wealth of quite spooky and weird things that go on in nature. Um, yes, so people dress up as zombies at this time of year, uh, but in nature, there is... Um, a fungus called cordyceps, which turns ants into zombies. Ooh. Yeah. And what it does, it uh, infects the ants um, and changes the chemicals in their brain and makes them climb up plants to a higher point, at which point the fungus then erupts through the ant and spreads its spores Across the across the area around the plant and onto any unsuspecting ants below. So it actually kind of controls the ant from the inside. Yeah. Poor ants. That sounds oh, a horrible way to go. Yes, it sounds very grim, doesn't it? Mm, yes, indeed. Yeah. But very Halloweeny. <laughs> very appropriate. That'd be a great costume, wouldn't it, for Halloween? An ant with a big mushroom coming oh. out. Bursting out of his head. Oh. That would be a really cool costume. Yeah, no one would understand it, would they? <laughs> <laughs> Unless they were listening to our podcast or yeah. just seen it on a nature programme or anything, they would yeah. be like, why are you an ant with a fungus on your head? Nature-based Halloween costumes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the other one you could have is a praying mantis with its former partner's head under its arm, couldn't you, as well? Oh, yeah. Or in its mouth. <laughs> yeah, a bit like the headless horseman type of thing, but um, uh, praying mantis. With an extra head. With an extra head, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then another really fascinating fact is the origins of our pumpkin lantern tradition. Hmm. And this has to do with an Irish legend. Stingy Jack was an Irish blacksmith and he liked a bit of a drink. And so that he could go on drinking past closing time, the story goes, he would make a deal with the devil. Mm. But then he would always renege on that deal. And the, the devil got so fed up of this, he actually banished Stingy Jack from hell. Um, but because 
Stingy Jack uh, had a bit of a drink problem and he was uh, a bit of a, um, a miscreant. They wouldn't let him into heaven either. So he was condemned to walk the earth with a glowing coal, holding a glowing coal to light his way oh. forever. And Stingy Jack decided that he would put the glowing coal into a cabbage root so, so he could carry it. Oh. So old glow through this cabbage root. Um, and that became the tradition of what used to be carving turnips. So we would use, before pumpkins, the tradition was to carve turnips and make turnip lanterns uh, in the same way that we see pumpkins carved now. But and pumpkins only really came into fashion once uh, America was colonised. And ah, I see. Discovered in America, squashes and pumpkins were discovered in America, and, wow. and now the pumpkin has taken over because it's uh, it's much easier to carve than a turnip. Um, yeah, and it's also much more. Uh, it, it ripens um, at this time of year at much much more widely across the uh, the planet as well. Wow, so, uh, it's more common. I I can imagine the first people that discovered pumpkins um, around this time of year, if they'd have previously been trying to carve a turnip, they would have been absolutely overjoyed to discover this huge round vegetable that was much easier to carve. Yes. Because I don't, yeah. we used to use Swedes when I was little. Oh, goodness. You yeah. know, because they're quite, they're a bit rounder, aren't they, usually, than, yes. than turnips. Turnips are a little bit uh, smaller. But we used to use Swedes, and they are so hard. That, so you dense, know, it would take they? hours, hours yes. to scrape out this yeah. insides of a Swede with a spoon. And yeah, a, and they give and off a such a horrible <laughs> smell as well. Yes, Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that when you were saying about the cabbage root, I was thinking, cool, yeah. that must have given off a bit Not of a great. wink. Not great. Mm. But yeah. I like that smell now of burnt Swede, because it just reminds, <laughs> <laughs> reminds oh. me of my childhood yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Swede carving. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So we, you'll be burning a Swede on the hob this Halloween then, will you? Just to bring back the memory. Well, do you know, I might make an I might make a Swede lantern this year. Oh. Haven't made one for a long time. We always used to try and keep them um between Halloween and bonfire night, um, so that we could still have them out at the at the bonfire oh. party. It's only it's oh. only five days, isn't it? So we used yeah. to try and keep yeah. them. But they would often be kind of really on their way out by bonfire night, you know, gone a bit floppy and yeah, a bit floppy. <laughs> really stinky. Yeah, but, but burnt through in parts as well. Yeah, they're little, yeah. you know, you'd start off with these lovely big sets of gnashes, really big spiky teeth. And by uh, bonfire night, they kind of look like something out of a gurning competition. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get some get some comedy fool's teeth and put them in the mouth. Yeah, they definitely needed it. Some of those <laughs> clock wind up clockwork gnashes. <laughs> yeah. And the last one I've got for you is trick or treat. I think it's it's commonly held that trick or treat came to the UK from America, um, but actually it didn't. It, it it went to America from the UK, and it before. There was a tradition in, in several parts of Britain, Yorkshire most notably, of something called Mischief Night. And it was just where children would go out on Halloween and, well, just, you know... Cause mischief. Cause mischief, right. Mm. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so it, it went to America, became trick or treat, and then came back through, you know, literature. And, uh, and also, I think, American children as well 
being here, you know, with the forces and that sort of thing. So it, it yeah. became popular. Someone with quite an entrepreneurial uh, spirit, you know, obviously got involved, didn't they? Because it went from simply causing mischief to causing mischief. But actually, if you give us some trees, yeah. we might not cause mischief. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, what we'd like you to do between now and our next podcast, it's an invitation to take part in, a, in an activity or idea um, so it's completely up to you, but what we have got for you this time is a bit of a Halloween dare. So we all like a bit of a dare. And what we'd like you to do is to face one of your fears. Because often things that we find really, really scary, similar to pumpkins and Halloween costumes and all that kind of thing, once we actually look closely at them, they're not that scary. So this is often the case with things that we're afraid of doing or afraid of in our lives. Um, we put off kind of facing them because we're too afraid to, to actually take a step towards overcoming them. So what we're inviting you to do is to think of something that you are afraid of or something that you are a bit scared of doing and just take a step towards overcoming it. It could be something like going for a promotion or going for a new job, new working life, um, or it could be asking somebody something that you are really afraid to ask, or it could be something like going for a walk, going out for a walk on your own, um, or phoning somebody that you've not spoken to for ages and you're worried that they might think that you've forgotten about them. Could be anything. Um, you know, I don't want people to uh, get really outside of the comfort zone with this, but just something that you've been putting off or something that you are a little bit scared of that you think, actually, I am going to face this fear because it won't be as scary as I think it is once I get started on it. Um, so, yeah, just let us know how, how you get on with that and, yeah, share your experiences with us. We'd love to hear from you. Great. Yeah, really good one, that. So we'd love to hear from you and you can either do that by emailing me at my email address andy at natural-inclusion.org uh, leaving a message on our anchor podcast page and you can leave a message on my natural inclusion facebook page fantastic so that's it for our halloween show um, until next time, stay sensational.